Hi again everyone, Tom Elvidge here, Interim GM for Uber in the UK and Ireland, and thanks for listening in to another episode of our weekly podcast. Well, over the past few weeks, we've received questions via the podcast link regarding the appearance that we had in front of a parliamentary select committee on the 11th of October, as well as receiving questions regarding the Workers' Tribunal appeal that was heard in court at the end of September. To cover these questions on the podcast this week, we asked Michael, one of our partner drivers in London, to put the questions to our experts at the team here at Uber. So this week we have Andy, who's head of policy for Uber in the UK and Ireland, and Jonathan, who's a member of our legal team here at Uber in the UK and Ireland. Andy and Jonathan were joined on the podcast by Michael, who asked them a few questions regarding both of these events. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Michael, Andy and Jonathan and let them introduce themselves. Thanks, Tom. Uh, my name is Michael and I've been using the app for about three years now. I've done over 4,500 passengers and yeah, I'm really dedicated to this hustle. And, uh, you know, I, I actually see this as my business at the end of the day, you know. Hi, I'm Andrew and I'm Head of Public Policy for Uber in the UK and I've been with the business just under three years now. And hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm from the legal team here at Uber. Hi guys. Last week Uber and a few other companies uh, were called into the parliament. Uh, I saw it on the news and I just wanted to find out, could you guys explain a bit more about what happened? I mean, what exactly is the select committee? I'll take this one. It was me that was called into Parliament last week, uh, alongside Hermes, who are a courier company, and also Deliveroo, who you're probably familiar with, who do food delivery, a bit like our Uber Eats product. And we were called into Parliament to answer a bunch of questions they have about our business model, how they think we're changing the way that the sectors that we operate in are changing over the last few years, and then what are our plans for the future, and what that means for you guys, the people who drive or deliver or use courier service on these platforms. Okay, that's cool. Can you explain a little bit more about what happened during the whole select committee thing? I heard something about a Taylor review. I actually have no idea what that is. Can you explain that for me? Of course. Uh, Matthew Taylor's a guy who runs a charity called the Royal Society for the Arts. And he was asked by the government earlier last year to conduct a review into what's called modern employment practices. And so what the government is trying to do there, they're trying to figure out how the world of work is changing, whether apps like Uber and Deliveroo are going to be part of the course for everybody, whether people's careers are going to be changing, whether you're going to have more than one job at the same time, whether more people are going to be self-employed than traditional ways of working. And the government is interested about how the world of work is changing and what that means for the government and what it means for the people who are working in it. And so they asked Matthew Taylor to conduct a review to ask lots of businesses and lots of people who work with businesses like Uber and lots of people who work with more traditional businesses as well about how they found participating in apps and what they thought about flexible working, what they thought about self-employment, what they thought about the nature of how the world of work has changed. And he reported last year, in last June, and he made a series of recommendations for the government around what the future of work will look like and what the government should consider doing about it. Do you know if they asked any of the, the riders and partners before coming up with this review that they came up with? Yeah, they asked some partners. Anyone could have inputted, and it's something that we flagged a couple of times in the weekly partner update and things like that. And we think a few partners wrote in or attended some of the Taylor Review events to give their perspective. And I'm pretty sure that some of them had some positive experiences to share, some of them more negative. But I think one of the things that was clear is that most people who Matthew Taylor engaged with, and this is the, the main thing it says in the review, is that the thing that people really like about apps like Uber and Deliveroo and other, other ones like that is the flexibility it gives people, the ability to choose when and 
and how and if they work is probably something that people are really glad about and don't want to sacrifice. That's nice, okay. So what has Uber done with the reviews in these discussions? I mean, how does it affect myself and partners like myself? So the simple answer to what it means for Uber and what it means for partners like you is that we don't know yet. So Matthew Taylor has written this review and now it's up to the government to respond to the review. So hopefully at some point before the end of the year, they will decide how they take the review forward. But with Uber, we've noticed the review and we've read it, we've read it very carefully and we've seen that Matthew recommended a number of things for self-employed people as best practice, as things that people have told him that they value and they are things like insurance and sick pay. They are things like the ability to make sure when they're working for an app they can use their experience on their resume their things like how do you get people who are self-employed skills training and things like that and lots of those things we have taken upon ourselves to go out and do proactively and we've sort of used the Taylor report if you like as a bit of a how-to manual to start improving our business and in response to both the Taylor review and the feedback of partners like yourself is, is hopefully you guys have seen that over the last six to nine months we've really made big improvements about how the app works for you and offered you some real benefits benefits that come alongside that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Andy. I mean, another thing that came out of the Taylor Review as well was that much of it resonated with a lot of the things that we already stand for. So one of the things, for example, that came out in the Taylor Review was this talk of not supporting companies that have kind of a one-way flexibility. And Taylor, one of the things Matthew Taylor was encouraging was a two-way flexibility. Now, if you put that in the context of Uber as against, say, maybe a zero-hours contract in the fashion industry situation, If you're on a zero hours contract, who is benefiting from the flexibility? Is that the employer, the company who can decide whether or not they want to give you any work to do? That's something that Taylor didn't seem to be particularly fond of. And it's certainly not something that we would advocate. As you know, with Uber, the app works very much to prioritize and champion the two-way flexibility. So the ability for you as a driver to choose whether or not you want to work at any moment in time. And if you do, you turn the app on. And when you turn the app on, what do you get? You get access to a pool of riders. And so things like that are some things in Taylor that we already resonate so this Taylor review is is a general thing about being self-employed it's not just because it's an app it's not just because it's uber it's even bigger than that in fact it's not just looking at self-employment it's not just looking at uber it's looking at very traditional companies it's looking at people who are employees people who are workers people who work in different ways it's looking at how technology is going to change the face of work in the future it's a really really big picture review that looks at how people think about careers in the 21st century so speaking about the future of work jonathan what is uh, this tribunal appeal all about Yeah, sure, Michael. Um, As I mentioned in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were in the Employment Appeals Tribunal appealing a decision from October last year that, that two of the drivers that use the app are workers. Essentially, to recap, a worker is, is not an employee, but is someone that's entitled to certain rights, such as the right to receive a minimum wage, but also will be subject to control from the company, such as how they work, when they must work, and if or when they can take holiday. But it's quite different from self-employment, where, as with Uber, a driver can choose if, when and where to drive and also keep all the fares they make after the service fee. And also, um, this case isn't about Uber trying to avoid paying the minimum wage. Of course it isn't. And I'll come on to that maybe a little bit later. The reason why we appealed that October decision is because we believe it's legally wrong. But not just that, also because we think that a worker status would be bad for drivers that use the app. And the drivers that choose to use the app in order to be self-employed and to benefit from the freedoms and flexibilities that the, the app offers and the basis on which Uber sells itself to drivers. 
The hearing went well. We expect to have a decision in December. And when that decision comes in, both sides, us and the other side, will review it and come to a decision whether or not they want to appeal again to a higher court. Um, how does the decision affect myself and other partners? I mean, are we subjected to at certain hours or can we still remain self-employed? Because when I joined this thing, I saw it as my own business and that I can work anytime. And that freedom was perfect for me. Um, now that this is happening, do I have to now be subjected to a certain amount of hours or is it only for those drivers? Good question. First and foremost, there's no impact at this time whilst we appeal. And maybe it's helpful to remind everyone essentially what you've said and also to talk about why Uber doesn't employ the drivers, not just here in London, but anywhere in the world, whether as employees or, as has been argued here, as as workers. Uber is a technology company um, and it's our job to help drivers match with riders. And the best way to facilitate the match is to let drivers be independent. Because based on the, the law of large numbers, this is how you increase the chance to have a driver close to a rider and vice versa. And what matters most for that is fluidity. So if the two drivers in this appeal who haven't used the app for a considerable period of time, if, if they're successful, what it's essentially saying to us is the tribunal trying to force Uber to change the model. It may mean many things. It may May mean that we need to reassess the model to make a, a worker status work for drivers and riders and to do our best to do that. And as, and as you know, Michael, and everyone listening knows, our model isn't to force drivers to drive when and where we want. We've never done that here or anywhere. And that's not how we want to be. Um, it's the level of freedom that makes the app so successful uh, and a choice by drivers and riders every day to make money and also to get around. To be able to guarantee certain minimums, such as minimum wage, we would need to take greater control of when and where someone can log on, as well as what trips they take when they are log on. It may mean many things. It may mean requiring drivers to take trips when they're on. It may mean the removal of certain features that we see many drivers like, such as setting their preferences of where they want to go. Also, the additional costs may mean that although we would be able to guarantee a certain minimum wage, we wouldn't be able to allow all the fares after the service fee to go to the drivers they are now. But this is premature. You know, we don't have the decision from the tribunal, nor of any subsequent appeal that either side may make. We also don't have the content of the decision for us to, to have a look at and see what we can or cannot do. And also, don't forget, as I mentioned in the last podcast, the case is based on the way in which the app worked in July 2016. A lot has changed since then to enhance driver control, including some of the features like preferences to put the driver in greater control than they were before, which is also something that we'll need to think about in the context of the final decision. The other point as well is that there are a tiny proportion of individuals bringing this claim and only two that are involved in the appeal. And we know what you're saying to us, that the vast majority of drivers just don't support it. And so as Uber, we need to think carefully how we can make sure that the app serves the people who want to use it, um, riders and drivers, and can use it in the way that they want to use it. So how long does it take for us to get the latest judgment? I mean, whilst all of this is going on, can we still continue to drive? How long are we expected to be driving for? You know, that kind of thing. We are expecting to get the decision from this appeal stage at some point in December. We don't know for certain. It depends on when, when the judge is ready to give, give her answer. At that point, there will be a relatively short period of time for either side to decide if they want to appeal it or not. If they do, there is potentially two further appeal stages. And again, we don't know how long that would take. It could be at some point into next year when we'd hear the next stage of the appeal. 
when we hear more, we will absolutely update you and all the other partners as to what the key dates are in the timeline. To your second point and what it means for now, it means nothing for now in terms of you can carry on using the app in the way that you chose to originally want to continue to do. If we ultimately are unsuccessful and the two claimants are successful in their appeal, then we will need to revisit and reconsider what a worker model would look like. And if we can present it in a way that preserves the things that the drivers value and tell us they value. Okay, thank you guys, Andy. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jonathan. Obviously, you can tell that I have a load of questions and I'm sure most of the other partners as well do. If I wanted to voice my either opinion or ask more questions, how do I go about doing that? Is it, is it possible someone can explain that to me? We definitely know lots, lots of other people have got questions about this one. And if you've got another question, feel free to go to t.uber.com forward slash UK podcast, submit your question. And I think we'll be coming up with some new ways of partners to submit questions over the next few weeks so watch this space for that one as well yeah absolutely second that Andy um, it's always motivating and good for me and the legal team to see messages of support for the things that, that we as a legal team are fighting to, to protect thank you very much guys I'm glad that you've been able to give me peace of mind and uh, I'm pretty confident that you guys are handling it I'll keep an ear and eye out alright thank you Well, thanks very much to Andy, Jonathan, and of course, Michael, and everybody else for joining again. And we hope you found this discussion useful and informative. We would love to hear your questions and any feedback that you have on the podcast. And remember that you can go to the podcast page to give us your thoughts. That page is t.uber.com forward slash UK podcasts. That once again is t.uber.com forward slash UK podcasts. Please do give us all of your feedback and submit any questions for next time. Well, with that, that's the end of another podcast. Thanks again for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye.